So I'm really thinking manifestation, right? You manifest your reality before it happens. So I already knew I was going to be doing it. It was just a matter of when. So specifically what I said earlier is that mentor taught me how to invest, right? He didn't teach me how to run a business, even though he probably could have. He didn't teach me how to run a business and like to set like to a very limited degree systems and processes. Welcome to the Great Investor Podcast, podcasts about real estate entrepreneurs, visionaries, and the stories behind the legacies they're creating. I'm your host, Rob Chavez, and on today's episode, I've got Phil Blake from Detroit, Michigan with me. Now, Phil is the CEO of the Stride Investment Group. They buy property in greater metro Detroit all the way down to Raleigh, North Carolina. And Phil has built a very big business, and he's scaling to make it even larger, and he's moving into more buy and holds. And his journey is fascinating. I know you're going to learn a lot just by listening to this episode. Now, what I love, though, about Phil is that he's a self-proclaimed introvert. He's a thinker, right? He's a planner. And that has served him well over time. He's like, sometimes it makes me move a little bit slower uh, in the beginning, but over time, it's proven to work out really well for him. So sit back, relax, and listen to the journey of this awesome real estate entrepreneur. Grid, what is going on? Today, I've got Phil Blake from Detroit, Michigan with me. That's right. The CEO of Stride Investment Group. And Phil, man, thanks so much for joining us today. I, I appreciate you taking the time. Of course, man. Of course. Any time to you, brother. So um, I wanted to get you on here because over the last year and a half, right? Maybe almost as long as two years. Yeah. We, we've gotten to know each other a little bit uh, off-site, uh, gotten to learn a little bit about your heart, gotten to le- learn a little bit about your business. Um, and I've been impressed with what you've been able to do. Um, and, and I want to share you with our audience. I want to share you with Grid and and learn from you, learn a little bit more about your journey, uh, get into the nitty gritty of the journey. I, I don't know all the nitty gritty of the journey. <laughs> and so, uh, but why don't, why don't we just kind of calibrate a little bit right now and uh, tell us where your business currently is. What what does your business look like today? And then we'll go back in time. Oh, awesome. awesome. So, I mean, so again, owner of Stride Investment Group. We actually have a small team. It's only about seven, it's seven of us right now. We got some people that do some work for us overseas. But uh, for, the, for the most part, of course, set seven of us here. Um, I mean, at this point, we, we pretty much do 100 transactions each year. Uh, I mean, pretty, pretty substantial. Uh, sustainably. Uh, in addition to that, uh, this year we actually set a goal. So it, it, we'll go back into the history, but in, in short, I haven't, we haven't purchased very many properties for a whole right over the years. So this year we made a, a more focus on that. So we started with 30 and we bought like 10, like in January. So we upped it to 50. So we're going to buy 50 this year. Uh, so that's all on the single family side. There's a commercial division as well, where, you know, look at apartment buildings and even some quick service restaurants as well. So uh, I don't know if that's enough information or how much. Yeah, actually, well, let's, let me ask you some questions around that. So a hundred transactions, primarily then wholesale transactions. Is that, if that, is that where yeah. it's been or is it, okay. hundred percent, or has it been like 90% wholesale, 10% fix and flip? So no, pretty much we're, we're wholesalers, right? So we, we're very little. Well, up until this point, we've been primarily wholesalers. Now we're like, you know, we buy and hold. So, uh, you know, pretty much all hundred or so it, it wholesale deals. And then we'll do, you know, right. Like for example, this year's going to be substantially more, right? We'd probably do like 80, 75, 80 wholesales. And then we'll do 40 or 50 that we buy and keep. Good for you. 
Like, because the, at the end of the day, like what we talk about at Grid all the time is that real investing happens with the buying and the holding, right? The earned income is generated through wholesaling or running an investment real estate uh, agent team like I've run or in construction, right? That's all earned income. What we got to do is we got to take that earned income and buy assets for long-term wealth accumulation. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll dive into that. Let me understand a little bit about where you currently buy. So you buy in Detroit? Yep. You buy in North Carolina? Is that what I saw? Yep, yep. So we're all in. Exactly. So all over Metro Detroit, so Detroit, and then the whole suburban area around it, and then Charlotte and Raleigh as well, North Carolina. Awesome. And it's everything pretty much done virtually? You guys yeah. do everything on over the phone? Yeah. yeah. A lot of these properties I've never even seen before, so. Okay. Okay, <laughs> cool. So that that's uh, that's awesome. We'll have to delve into a little bit around the mechanics around that. Okay. Sure. Uh, so how did you start? Tell me, tell me how you got the bug, right? What was the first deal? I mean, like, how did all this begin? And by the way, let me, let me just congratulate you. A hundred transactions. It's a lot of transactions. Like people need to understand, you know, you, there's a lot of systems and models that have to be built just to get to a hundred, right? Where you're just kind of doing it as machine. And now you're taking that and you're applying long-term assets. So 10 years from now, like that, the journey that you're on right now, like it's just, it's going to be a whole different game that we're going to be talking about 10 years. Right, from now. Right. It'll, it'll be, it'll be great to revisit, but how did you get started? Walk the so, through. So, so before I go into how I get started, so one thing I always like, anytime, like, again, that's like a, I think it's a magic number. I only do a hundred deals, at least certain groups, it's like a magic number. And I, every time I tell someone we do a hundred transactions or near or above it, it's like, I always give them this piece of information with it. I was like that. The first year we did a hundred transactions, uh, we was all primarily in Detroit. Our profit per deal was very low. It was like, I think it was like 8,500. So we barely broke a, broke a million bucks and did a hundred transactions, right? So, you know, you get a lot of people know that, especially with the gurus, stuff like that, like they all hundred transactions and they like, it's like love KPIs. At the end of the day, it's about like, I mean, what's your revenue, right? And really what's your net profit if you want to get into mm-hmm. it. That year, and this is how we actually, this is what, forced us to go into a different market. Uh, like, that's why we went to North Carolina uh, because the margins were will be bigger. But I would much rather do one deal a year and make, let's say, a couple million bucks than to post, as opposed to doing, you know, 150 or 125 deals. Because that's a lot of, like you mentioned, Rob, it's, that's a lot of churning and burning. A lot of, you know, mm-hmm. it's burned out. It's a lot of stuff that has to happen. Even with when you have the right systems, right? You got systems processes, but you got to have people. And uh, so I always kind of just throw that in there because uh, so many people hear that and just like, oh, man, I just want to do a lot of transactions. That's right. That's right. But at the end of the day, profit's what matters more than anything else. Right. And, um, and and yet you make a, a valid point. Like once you get to, when you're doing a hundred, there's, you know, you got motivation of a team. You got to know how to manage a team. You got to hire a team. You got to retain that team. Like there's a lot of business building. Volume creates the ability to learn actually how to run a business, yeah. right? And that that's what's cool about it. And then you calibrate along the way. And then you start learning things like, hey, can we increase our profit per deal? Can we do one deal and make a million dollars versus a hundred? Should we buy and hold versus doing a hundred transactions? Yeah. How do we end up owning a hundred that we keep, you know, and just, uh, just enough to keep the lights on from, from the agent uh, or wholesale business, right? I say agent just because that's my, that's my machine, right? right, right. And, and what you, 
what you've done is you've built a machine, right? I call it that 30, 60, 90 day machine. And now you're, you're kind of taking it to the other side. You're flipping that income to the passive income side. Um, so thank you for sharing that. So how, how did you, how do you get started? how did you decide, Hey, this is what I'm going to, I woke up one day and I'm going to be a wholesaler. I'm sure. So, so extra, let's go back to some history. So, and I didn't know this at the time. This is me looking back. This is me like retroactively looking at my life, right? Even when I was around like 11, 12 years old, I didn't have this thought as clearly as I'm about to explain it, but I kind of always knew I really didn't want to work like at a desk job. It just didn't seem like it was right. I didn't, I couldn't comprehend it completely, but I already kind of knew that. Uh, and a, a quick short story, actually, when I was 15 years old, I got into this entrepreneurship program, right? It was an inner city for kids and we we're like selling candy and water. And it's supposed to be about entrepreneurship. I'll tell you this, that 100% turned me off from everyone to own a business because the guys that we were dealing with, like they're dealing with us kids and like they didn't have the the image, right? That you like, like for example, a lot of people get on, oh, got the money or you got the cars and then you talk about sports and entertainment and stuff like that. You didn't have that possessed. So me being in that group, it, it was like, okay, I 100% don't want to do that. So anyway, so that's a quick background, quick background where I'm coming from, right? So it really didn't get bit per se until I was, I think it was like 21, maybe 22. And uh, it really came from, uh, actually, my business partners know, but good friend of mine, he had more direction in his life. I had very little direction in terms of entrepreneurship. For me, it was, you go to school, you go to college, you get a good job, and that's it, right? You Once you got your okay, mate, right? That was what the peak was. In his life, he had had a little bit more guidance towards people that own rental properties and business and stuff like that. So he, he would explain things to me. He wasn't very, like, he just knew what he had been told. So he would say stuff and it just made sense, right? As far as like owning real estate, or we started reading a couple of books together and things like that. So I'm the, I'm very logical in the way that I think. So when I read something and I'm like, hmm, that makes sense. Oh, okay. That I can enrich that for that, right? Makes it clear for everyone where it's like, oh, that makes perfect sense where it's like, why, you know, even if you have a W2, why, why, why is that the end all beetle, right? Why would you stop there, right? So that's what got me, that's what got me interested in that there being something more, right? Uh, what, did you, what, did you, what did you go to school for? I'm a mechanical engineer. Mm, yeah. The logical thinking, right? Yeah, yeah. So if I wasn't logical at that point, I was definitely uh, very logical after coming out of that. So yeah, big process oriented, logical. And again, it's, you know, and, and naturally I'm more introverted. And then obviously in business, it kind of forces you to become a better person, you become more well-rounded. So I'm not like super introverted, but that's just my natural way. And you have to know that about yourself, right? So that way you can't be, you know, you can kind of become a chameleon, right? And and and, and uh, kind of change the way that you are in certain situations. Uh, but that, that's, I don't, I don't know what the other question you got, but I can go much deeper if you want. But that well, way, well, yeah. okay. So, so you, you went to college, got your mechanical engineering degree, and then you started reading some books and, and you, and which had poor dad being one of them, right. Mm -hmm. They kind of started walking you down this different path from mechanical yeah. engineering, right? Like, did you go get out of college and, sit and, and get a mechanical engineering job or did you do something else? Man, that's man, that's actually a question. I, this is actually a big part of. Uh, so, so me naturally, I'm like a, a what do you call it? Uh, do more. You know, I go an extra mile with a lot of different things that I do. So the short story is, I actually got hired as quote unquote an engineer before I actually graduated. 
So at the time that I learned about like, hey, real estate and you can make money, you can do this, it's passive income, you can make a lot of money and stuff like that. Before I even knew about that, I was actually still in school full time because I hadn't finished school, right? Uh, I was actually working full time because they didn't hire me before I technically graduated. So I was still doing that. And then you know, I got with you know, my, my friend, he's telling me about reading these books. It's, it's kind of making sense to me at that point. So that's where I was when I like discovered, okay, I want to do something with, uh, you know, do something with real estate. But what really attracted me, what really bit me was the fact that, what, what do I want to put it? Um, but basically, I'm, I'm, I began with the end in mind and mm. that me naturally, right? So uh, I actually learned later that that's like a, we're the uh, key principles for success. But I'm looking, okay, I got this job. And it was a really good job at that point. I was probably making almost six years. I was like 22. I was still in school, actually, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I was living in my mother's basement, all that stuff, right? So I, I had extra income and stuff. I thought I was doing everything right, save the money, don't get a new car. My car was like 12 years old, so I'm doing all that stuff. Going back to the beginning with the hint in mind, what I was doing was like, okay, I got this job. All right, I make a good salary. What is my end goal, right? My family does not come up for money, right? So we don't have generational money, like, you know, so I wasn't expecting anything there. So I'm going into it like, okay, probably going to have to take care of uh, my dad at some point, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I got, I have a brother who has a mental disability, so I'm like, probably got to take care of him. And on top of that, there's certain things I want to achieve. So I looked at that and said, okay, is this job going to get me there? And I was like, mm-hmm. probably good if I became like the VP, CEO or something like that. But do I only really, you know, I didn't really care for it as much, right? My parents told me I was going to be an engineer when I was in the fourth grade. So, you know, <laughs> so that's, that's, right. So, so then I'm like, let's say, oh, man, I can make, you know, 50 grand here and I can get passive income. Oh, I can actually start to make money without me doing anything. All right. So that's what, so that's what bit me, right? That's what got me attracted and took me into the next steps that we'll go over. That's so interesting. You know, uh, I was consulting with, uh, with Gary Keller. And we're talking about expansion, like how do you expand around the globe? And he essentially forced us to kind of do that exercise and say, listen, you gotta you gotta scale this out all the way to the end, right? Begin with the end in mind. What does this look like at the end of all of this? And then what you're gonna do is you're gonna break it down, right? You break it down in region. Like if you're gonna look at the US first, you'll just say, Okay, what are the regions in the US? What are those leaders? What would those leaders have to make? In order to have a big opportunity in their life, what what would that have to look like? What does math look like for that? And then he just literally broke it all the way back down to its first element, right? And then he said, okay, that's, that's the path is in the math. That's the roadmap. And now you just start executing, right? So it's so cool that you actually did that at 23 or 24 years old. And you asked yourself that question because I find that so many times we fall into these patterns, like... We're told we got to go to school. We get that mechanical engineering job. I'm going to go get the job. And like, you're just doing things for the sake of doing. Yep. People um, aren't uh, thinking about what, like, what does this end look like? Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that, I know I didn't think that way, man. So kudos to you for thinking that. So, okay, here you are. You've got your mechanical engineering job while you're in college. You start reading about real estate, what do you do? Do you, do you take that job? Do you do a year of that job? Do you decide, screw it? Like, I mean, what happened? Tell uh, us you, you started right out of school. 
Yeah, pretty well. I was I was still in school, so I was like, okay, just, I know it's gonna take. I know you know you got people say, oh, you can make money real estate without money, but it's easier when you got money. So I was like, all right, I got this job, and I just basically put myself on like an exit plan. And that, that plan changed over the years. It wasn't like, oh, I, I, I'm not going to tell you guys the year old story. I said, I'm going to leave that job in 18 months. I did, right? No, at first, I think I said like two years and I didn't do it. And then I think I said it like another year. It just kept happening, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's because I was actually learning and growing. But at this point in time, right? So, okay, all right, I got the bug. I know I want to get the real estate. And it's funny, man, my partner, uh, a commercial partner, we started at the exact same time, right? Our approach to it's uh, totally different. He was, he, he's more action oriented. So he's the type that, uh, like you give him something, he's going to go and do it. Right. Mm-hmm. And you know, you make mistakes and whatnot from, you know, from there. And I'm, again, as I told you, more practical engineering type. So I'm like, oh, let me go a little deeper. Right. And I didn't even realize this at this point, but I was like, I know, I, I know enough that I want to do it, but I don't know enough that I can go out and do it. So, uh, Fortunately, again, I had enough common sense. I basically went out and found a mint. So those times where I'm reading these books and things like that, I'm a YouTube University. I'm going to YouTube, learning like the people. I actually, I was studying like really not the how-to, but really it was like showing me what could be achieved. And who know what they're talking about. So it was like two or three people that I was looking at. And ultimately, I ended up choosing one. And uh, I made that initial investment. And it wasn't anything like I remember exactly. He was offering it. And it was like, and again, it wasn't like a direct, like I, I had like right now I can, I'm network with you know, people like you guys or whatnot. I can call up, hey, Rob, you know, and we can figure something out. I didn't, I had none of that. Right. So it was all from YouTube. So this guy had a program and I don't think it was something like three or four. I think it was like three grand. Right. And that was a lot to put that in perspective. I had one credit card. The lending was 1500 And I was like so skeptical of stuff at that point. I like, I was like, all right, I'm definitely going to buy this on a credit card because if it's a scam, I'm giving money back, right? That's literally what I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally what I'm thinking about, right? So, yeah. I, I, all right, so I bought it. Um, so, and I, and even at that point, I said, man, three grand's a lot. So I was, I had done it before. So I'm I'm slow to, to execute. He had this special. I went to the webinar, had a special. Oh, only a thousand bucks. You can get like the course stuff. I'm like, okay. So I put a thousand bucks. Oh, but if you want all the training and all this other stuff, it was like another two or three thousand at that point. So anyway, it was like three or four grand at that point. But I maxed my credit card out twice, paid it off, maxed it out again because I was like, you know, what what could happen? Coming from you know, that, right, right. So coming from that, I mean, he pre- he told me a lot of what I know about real estate today in terms of like how to invest, how to be an investor, all the creative ways that you can make money in real estate and. Most importantly, he taught me the things like he was answering questions that I didn't know I was supposed to ask. Right. Mm-hmm. It was really important because, like I said, well, partly now we literally took two different paths. So that was the path I took. Right. He was like, all right, I read these books. I'm about to go buy these houses at an auction. I'm going to go fix them up and I'm going to go sell them on my rental. Right. So our paths were definitely ultimately we ended up getting pretty close to the same spot. Both both pretty successful. Um, but uh, his, his the paths were, were different. A lot more mistakes. I know he has to You know, we all lumber his, but a lot of that stuff I missed. I still have my old learning lessons, right? Like, you know, I'll let you go ahead and guide. Well, no, it's so fascinating <laughs> because I, 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 I totally see it, right? Like, uh, I'm a mix between you and your friend. I'm literally a mix between you and your friend. And um, uh, which is what saved me, I think, a lot during the financial crisis that came around because I, I started my 
investment journey in, in the year 2000 or 1998, 99. That's where I did a lot of my learning for about four or five years. I was part-time while I ran another business. Okay. And then, um, and I did, you know, I did like a, a Robert Allen class, nice. seven grand or something like that. And I knew more than the mentor. So my mentor, I was like, I knew more than the mentor by this time. Cause I'm, I'm a studier. I'm a analyzer. I'm a, you know, like I, I've just, you know, and I'd done a lot of deals. I'd done more deals than the mentor at, at this oh, point, right. right? But I was so determined to get back my return on the money that the physical act of paying the money motivated me to get my ass out there to go get some deals done. Right. And so, like in the end, it was a good, it was a good, you know, it was a good thing. And I learned. I, I did. I did learn from the course. Um, but. But it's interesting because I, I, I could see the path of your friend and your friend is going to learn from making a lot of mistakes and, yep. and you're, and you're going to learn through mentorship to avoid a lot of those mistakes. And ultimately, you know, the two of you will meet, but one's a lot more painful than the other one. Somebody said you have to learn, you learn from mistakes, but it doesn't have to be your own. That's for sure. That's it. That's it. Which is the purpose. A lot of, of what we do here, right, is is for people to learn so that they don't have to make those same mistakes, right? They can take these lessons, learn like, you know what? You should think about getting a mentor, like paying the three or four grand up front to have somebody direct you is an investment to save you from losing 30 or 40,000 by making the wrong mistake, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Which I've done my fair share of that as well. Uh, yeah. Right. So, okay. So here you are, you take this this gentleman's course, uh, you get a mentor. He's, he's essentially giving you questions that you should be asking that you didn't know. Right. Give me an example. One of those questions, like, like what, what was something that he made you reflect on? And you're like, Oh yeah, true. I should, should have thought about that. Oh man, that's a good question. Uh, man, that's, that's like eight or nine years ago. <laughs> it, well, it wasn't just necessarily just questions. Like for example, right. Let's talk about creative finance. Not a lot of people, like you're not in the real estate space, you don't really know about creative finance. So you know, like, oh, you can you can buy a property subject to, or you know what I mean, or seller financing in terms and all this stuff. You can structure a deal this way. I mean, he, at that point, he was out open to me. You mean to tell me I can make money off this property and I didn't own it? You know what I mean? So it, yeah, he opened your mind to things that you didn't even know was there. You didn't I, even know it was there. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. at that point, and I think if you ask the average person, maybe is I may get too much credit or not enough credit, but I think you ask the average person, like, how do you make, if you were to invest in real estate, how do you do that? They would say, buy a house, you fix it up and you sell it. Or you buy a house and rent it or buy it, fix it up and rent, right? And that's it. And that's pretty much what they said a lot of knowledge was, was like, yeah, you know, so once he said, oh, no, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to even own the house if you don't want to. Oh, well, Really? So then those type of, you know, so it's so it was like it was questions and things he was asking as well. It was just like the principles and the foundations of what he was explaining was like, oh, I didn't even know this was a thing here. Right. And uh, yeah, we were doing all type of stuff. But uh, was very how did you how did you end up then uh, deciding to cut the cord? Because here you were, you're holding on to this this job, right, as a mechanical engineer. And at some point. You made a decision. How did that decision come about? Well, it's already big in manifestation, right? You manifest your reality before it happens. So I already knew I was going to be doing it. It was just a matter of when. So at this time, so if, uh, 
So specifically what I said earlier is that mentor taught me how to invest, right? He didn't teach me how to run a business, even though he probably could have. He didn't teach me how to run a business and like to set like to a very limited degree systems and processes. So at that point, I still kind of got the W2 mindset, right? Haven't actually made a lot of money. We'll talk about that in a moment. But I'm thinking about it like, okay, so I got this girl, this job where pretty much every couple of weeks I'm getting paid. I make like in my paradigm, in my family, I already make, you know what I mean? You make it on and I'm starting, right? So they're looking at that like you make it on the low end, 80, 85, on the high end, maybe a hundred, hundred five, a thousand a year. Great job, great company, great benefits, all of that stuff, right? So at, at that point, I'm, telling you, I'm, I'm coming from that mindset. So, okay, I'm going to give that up for what, right? Okay, so at this point, I'm doing everything myself, right? Very early on. So I'm thinking about it to the extent of, um, okay, so how much? My, actually, I, I'll give you that exactly what happened the first time I actually thought about it. We, we, we were all meeting up, somebody in that group had closed the deal and made like 90 or 95,000, right? And he quit everything. He was like, I'm out, I'm done. I'm all into real estate. And I was, and I was happy for him. And I was like, man, that's, that's cool. But I started thinking about myself, like I closed the deal for 90 grand. Would I stop everything? And again, this goes back to personality traits. I'm, I'm more conservative naturally being more practical, right? Some people don't, don't matter, but for me, I'm looking like, okay, I got a job. Good job. I got benefits. Okay. But 90 grand, that's, that's probably not it. You know what I mean? I was like, that's a good payday. Now I can maybe speed up and get further success, uh, like get success faster. I probably wouldn't quit. So I started asking myself, like, all right, what is that number? Is it 250? Is it 500,000? And the big thing that I kept coming back to was like, damn, I don't, you know, whatever I would find to go on a vacation. You know what I mean? Money stops, you know, and or, you know, deals slowing up or whatever. You know, I didn't have any cushion there, right? And at that point, that's because I didn't know and I didn't even think to ask the right questions about systems, processes, and people, you know? And that's actually what led me to my, my next mentor a few years later because I one guy was telling me, talking about how he closed 100 deals, flipping, not wholesome, but flipping. He worked like three hours a week. I was like, what? Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, all right. But, I, you know, so, but... But yeah, that's what, that, that's what, uh, that's what kind of got me to that point, right? To start asking. So I actually did not, did not uh, quit for like, it took me like, sheesh. I just quit a few years ago. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So how many deals do you think you did before you decided, okay, this is, I'm going to quit? All right. So let's, let's I'm going to come back to that. So how many deals? I'm going to answer it first and I'm going to tell you all story. So how okay. many deals I think I did before we quit? Uh, Let's see. Mm. Oh, we probably do maybe like 150, but okay. like, yeah, but like a hundred of them, maybe like 130, let's say, but most of them, they came like the year before I quit. Okay. Got it. Yeah, and I, but, but one thing just because again, I know that we're focusing on the journey. I want to make something clear because again, I thought I was doing everything right when I started, right? I got the job. I basically got almost no expenses. Like it's old, uh, no expenses. I got, you know, it was old car. You know, they went a little, all this type of stuff, right? I'm literally putting everything into, I was playing some student loans at that point. But between that, I'm literally, literally putting everything into real estate, right? Marketing, learning, setting up systems, phones, and all this other stuff, figuring it out, and I'm balls to the wall the whole way, right? After I got, and this is no knock on the bed tour, after, and this, because this is my, I had 
So there's something I think a lot of people don't talk about. It's like mental uh, glass ceilings, right? Mm-hmm. You don't believe you can do something or don't think you're worth it. Like, so, like you're, you, can, that you don't believe that you, that's something that you can have, then you won't have it, right? Mm-hmm. And again, coming from the background I come from, it wasn't like we had a lot of money. So I was just used to always like money is always limited. It's a scarce resource. It's hard to come by. These are things that were in my subconscious, mm-hmm. right? And it's, he actually told me this that first mentor. He told me, it's like, you got to have a good relationship with money. If you got a bad relationship with money, you got to check yourself because that's, and that, and it's something, and that's probably one of the things that took the longest to be able to overcome. But the mm-hmm. point is, after setting up everything, being us working full time, school full time, uh, and I'm doing this as well. So that probably has something to do with it. But I really didn't make any money for like almost two years. It might have been. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about, I'm spending money. I'm spending it. I'm thinking I'm doing everything right. I'm like, come on. So we got to, and I'm, you know, very, very perseverant. So I'm like not a quitter. You know, I'm not just saying, well, it didn't work in two months. I quit. And then you hear about other people. Oh, they just started two months ago. They made 15 grand. Like, man, you know, so I'm, I'm putting it in. I'm calling people. Uh, you know, I'm smiling and dialing. I'm doing every position, right, that that you could think of. And it's not like I was not having any success. I was counting a small success. Oh, yeah, we got the steal under contract. But let's say something fell through. Like, I got to the point where I, you, I still at every single point of the deal. For mm-hmm. the deal, after you get the deal, at the closing table, marketing, <laughs> everything. I'm serious. Right. You know what I mean? So it's to the yeah. point where I'm, I'm it's so and actually, I started to get a little bit defeated. But I was like, man, I just got to keep pushing through. I got to break through this ceiling, right? I knew enough for that. But one of the things, so we got to that point, because again, I'm spending a lot of money. I get to the point where it's like, again, it's almost that two-year mark. I don't remember it was, it was, it was pretty close to two years. And it's a form of marketing I would spend money on. And then you pay for it up front and you add so many credits. I think I had like maybe three or $400 left. Each lead was like 400 bucks. And, uh, you know, just a quick tidbit. I'm really big into health, right? So it's consult people with health, herbs, fitness, and all this other stuff, right? So that was like another quote-unquote business in my mother, right? That I, not even mine. I actually had invested and I was doing stuff with it. But again, that's that's focus, right? I, mean, I already told you I'm working sure. full time, school full time, and I only did the school full time. It's like the first year to have. Uh, but point is, uh, I'm doing all these different things, and now I'm doing health, learning, and help people that, and I'm doing real estate. So that was another mistake I was making. Didn't know I was making. Mm-hmm. And uh, point is, so we get to this point where we have 20 months or 22 months, whatever is it, and I'm like 400 bucks left. And I wasn't going to quit. Like, I never had a point. I only noticed looking back, like, either retroactively uh, or retrospectively. But the, uh, uh, but at that time, like, I never had, t- had a thought in my mind, like, oh, I'm going to quit, man. I'm going to stop. It's not working. I never thought about that. But when I look back on it, I was like, man, I probably was pretty close to, like, just not quitting, but I'm going to transfer, transfer more energy into this mm-hmm. health consultant thing. It's going to grow this business over here, right? And kind of just slowly... Because I was, you know, I was like, I'm not making any money. Like, what's going on, right? I'm putting all this time, energy, and I'm out of school now, so I got more time while I ain't working. That's right. So that's that's where I was at. So I remember I got down, and it was like, fingers on last lead. So I'm, it's exactly how the story went. This, you probably going to laugh quite a bit. So we got the lead come through. Lead comes there. I, I talked to the lead. He's asking for 50 grand for the property. I'm like, oh, look, let me run the console. So this probably asking too much. Run the console. Oh, okay. This property office stuff is probably worth like one fit. Okay. Well, I got at this point, we're still going on appointments in person. Let me set up the appointment. Mentally, I ain't probably going to be too busy to set up the appointment because I failed. All right, we set up the appointment. 
I go out to the appointment. Oh, the house probably gonna need like a hundred grand worth of work. It's gotta be. Sick. <laughs> I was this Netflix was going through my head. So we go to the oh, no, I just need to clean out. It ain't too bad, you know. So I'm talking to him, and I was like, all right, I'm gonna offer him like forty five, offering him forty five. He pushed back a little bit, and I just went over and took it at fit. I was like, okay, that's cool, but I, it wasn't a big celebration because I got privacy under contract before. So I'm like, all right. All right, let's let's keep going through. Let's where the next point of failure gonna go through? Probably the title is gonna be all screwed up. Can't do nothing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, I'm, I'm gonna start marketing the property, and you know something's gonna happen. Seller gonna get pissed because at this point, this year's help. We just just get him under contract and put him under MLS, right? Mm. We had like the right verbiage and whatnot, but anyway, uh, that's what we would do. Already gonna get pissed because I didn't communicate right or something. I screwed something up. Put it on the market, and I, at this point, even when we got under contract for fit. At that point, I, I was mentally, when I look back on it, probably so, uh, not defeated, but like doubtful, I guess you could say. Uh, like, I thought all the day we could probably sell this product for like 70, 75. And I'm like, man, I probably screwed up the numbers somewhere. Let's just put it up. I marked it up 10 grand. That was it. From 50 to 16, you reckon? 59.97. Right? We put it out there. And the only, the first part I had a glimpse of like, all right, I actually might know what I'm doing a little bit. Is when we put it out, literally during 15 minutes, the realtor, the flat fee listing agent that we we called to to put it up for us, he called me like, "Are all your deals like this?" And I'm, I'm like, "What do you mean?" He was like, "Dude, our phones are melting. Our phones are blowing up. We got pe- I got people calling me right now, you know." So he started sending me text messages of all these people calling, and one guy, "What snap call?" And then, this is the part where I was like, "All right, I'm feeling pretty good, right?" Because he sent me this, this screenshot. This guy was like, "Get me that guy's number now." <laughs> 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 we got buyers yelling at these guys. So I cannot. I, I, I just told you where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Like honestly, but I'm hard. So I make it a little bit. Something like, mm-hmm. oh, happens on certain deals, you know. I'm playing it super cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking super cool. Hopefully, you don't see this. <laughs> but I'm, 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 I'm playing it super cool. Like, well, you know, it's just gonna happen. You know, we get different property. So I'm playing the quote spelling of lecture, right? You yeah. so, know. All right, so that so that that goes through. So we get multiple offers, multiple offers, and at that point, I was like, okay, I might know what I'm doing, but I was still kind of waiting for something to happen. I was waiting on some, all right, something going, some some BS going to happen because that had happened to me before. So we go through the whole process. People making these offers, so they go do an inspection and find something. We end up getting, uh, I think, we sold it for like ninety two five, right? That's what we that the highest offer came back at. And then oh, we got to do the city inspection, waiting on something to happen there. All right, nope, nothing ever happened. And it literally got to the point where we have to close the tape. And I'm just w- like, man, wait. Like, I know something's going to happen. I know it's going to happen. And, and actually, I'm, actually, I did bring that about because something ended up happening. Like, someone's brother being in the hospital. I don't remember exactly. But the point is, all of a sudden, the title company's like, oh, no, we can't close this right now, blah, blah, blah. All type of stuff, right? And we got to the closing table. But honestly, the reason why I think that it ended up closing was because I think the seller needed me more than I, just as much as I needed him. I think he had mm-hmm. the same thing going for him. Because after we had that hiccup, he said the same thing to me. Like, that's what it was like looking in the mirror. Was, oh, man, I knew something was going to happen. I knew something was too good to be true. <laughs> like, right, right. That's what, that's what the seller is telling me. And I'm telling him to his face, like, oh, man, don't worry about it. It's just perfectly normal. You know, things happen, hiccups. Where to me, like, in my mind, I'm literally like, man, I think something's going to happen. So that was... <laughs> I'm talking about every step of the way, doubt, doubt, doubt. And I did out of that deal. 
until the money hit the bank account, right? As soon as the money hit the bank account, now I got my feet count. I'm cool. Now I'm sitting there. I, I'm about to do this now. I'm expert at this. Now they're doing this. I'm, you know, I'm cool as hell. <laughs> you know? But uh, anyway. I, I, love, I, love that, I love that story because what it did was it built belief, right? That was that was like, that's probably what turned the switch for you. You were like, 100%. oh, hey, wait a second. This is this is for real. Like I, I took this from beginning to end. And there's something about belief. How long, by the way, did it take you? How long was that period between the time you started kind of doing this and dabbling in it to the time you closed that deal? Was that two years? Yeah, that was like 22 months. So like, uh, like 20. Yeah. And I was naked. But when I look back, yeah, glass was like, hey, even if you don't know what you're doing, you think you that wrong, right? But it was like, I was, I think I was blocking myself, right? Yeah. Saturdays. And then I would admit, like, that had properties on the contract. It's just, it was like, all right, can you get to the clothing table? And then, I mean, we had closed some, but it was like almost breaking. Even. Like, oh, let's just get it closed type of thing so I can get past that mental barrier. We can close deals. But that was really the first one that really made any difference. Any and, real money. Like, before that, you might have, like, after all your marketing and spend and everything, you would you were in the negative, right? Yeah, it was like, I'm spending my wins, 100%. Yeah. And, and one thing I want to point out before we continue is, like you mentioned about like your reality and the mental block behind it or just understanding that. Like after I did that deal, it was like two months, maybe three months before we got enough. Like that that year, that had to be what, like 16? You know, it was uh, six, eight. But we did like eight deals. So it took me like two years to get that first one done. But then that year when I started closing, we're like, you know, because I know it's possible now, right? I actually believe that I can do it. And, you know, you know what I mean? So I started talking about, that's a really important piece. A lot of people just like, just, oh man, don't hit me with the fluff as far as mental and whatnot. No, man, that's, that's, that was it's big. everything. It's everything. I, w- I was actually having a discussion with our sales team this morning about um, how conviction, like you have to be, the first person you're going to sell is yourself. Right? And you have to have the conviction that, that this is possible and that the person that you're, that you uh, is across the table that you can help them, right? And if you don't transfer that conviction, then then you're literally blocking you're blocking this from happening. Right. So you 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 have to you have to be convicted, right? Yep. In your belief. I understand. And that's and that yeah, that's right. And then that's right. And if you don't have that, um, you know, I I always tell everybody that there's this foundation of of building a business and. It starts with the thinking mental piece first. And if you can't get past that piece or you have to get through that piece, not past that piece, but through that piece, right? And if you can get, if you can get through that piece and get the belief, then you're off to the races. Then it's just like, okay, I believe now. And, but 22 months, man, is a long time. So I got to be like, good three years. I don't think it takes that long. You don't know what you're doing. And again, I, uh, yeah, there's, there was a mistake that I made. It's not against one of the I think that I, I mean, you still ask me now. But. I think most most people on average, and, and people, uh, it does take time. Like six, seven months, eight months seems to be like the like the breakthrough for most people that I've talked to. Like, But that means that you had to go six, seven, or eight months with nothing. And, and most people um, had cut the cord, right, mm-hmm. on any kind of other income. As opposed to you kept your income. You were smart, right? Mm-hmm. You were, you're conservative. You kept your income coming in 
um, I found that that most people cut their cord and cut the cord and they're like, I'm going to go do this first. They're like your friend, right? Yeah. And I've got to make it happen. I'm going to burn the boats. And then it took them another eight or nine months, sometimes longer before they made any income. So they had to go in the hole, yeah. which is a scary piece, right? 100%. And I was tell this, I, I, I don't know if I've, I've, I've shared this, but like, you know, what happens to a lot of entrepreneurs is, um, I think it took me four years before I legitimately made more money in a net profit than my personal household expenses, mm-hmm. right? Because people, people don't realize you've got two businesses that you're running at all times, right? You've got this household business, mm-hmm. you got this household expenses, yep. and that actually determines how much you got to make right. in the business side. Right, 100%. And, and nobody talks about that, by the way. Nobody talks about that. So like my first year, I, I remember I made like 60,000 profit in the business, but it was a net loss in my household, right? Because mm. my household income uh, expense was like 120, buck 20, right? Mm. Um, and so I was like, oh shit, like I got to make like 180 right, right. To, to, to pay for like 120,000 and just, just paying the bills, right? Yep. And so, uh, yeah, nobody ever talks about that. It's interesting. Glad we touched on it a little bit because it's important. Right, hundred percent, man. Hundred percent is. I mean, again, it's the path less. It's the path less traveled for a reason. I'll put it that way. One hundred percent. Okay, so you, so <clears throat> the belief occurred. You started doing these additional deals. You got like eight deals happen, and then at some point, you probably said to yourself, "I need leverage." Right. Sure. I need help. Who was the first person? What was the first leverage that you brought into the business? I was a lead manager because at this point I'm doing everything, right? Call the person, talk to them, see if they're be interested, evaluate the deal, you know, do the acquisitions piece of it, right? Count the property, call them back, get the property in the county. Like I was in every position at this point. So I was lead manager because, uh, so the, again, so continuing on. So I talked about my next mentorship, right? What, mm-hmm. cause yeah, I was like, okay, I'm making some money now. And then that's when that whole guy with the 95 grand or whatnot came up. And I started asking myself, well, how's that possible? And I remember, again, this was, again, this is lucky, I'm going to call it, but it was like a natural thought process for me. It was, well, last time I had a big jump or an understanding or even profit was when I got a mentor and et cetera, right? And every time I seem to go to these events, like it's like good energy, you meet good people, maybe we can set something up. Well, maybe I need to do more of that. So actually, I started watching the podcast. And I was like, kind of sifting through them because I didn't want to spend a lot of time with one I didn't like. But I saw, that's when I learned about the guys. Oh, I'm doing 100 flips a year and I work a couple hours. You know what I mean? That's, so I was like, really? So I'm not the, you know, some people at first into, oh, you're scamming, you're lying, whatever, right? I was like, man, that's that's insane. Let me learn how, right? And then that's when I learned, oh, you got to treat it like a business. You know what I mean? This is not just, look. And it was so funny. I didn't even know what the positions were called. I didn't know acquisitions called acquisitions. I didn't know you had a role for somebody that like does transaction coordination. Mm. I didn't even know that was a thing. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't even know the roles. I was like, oh, really? So that's what got me at least thinking like, oh, okay, you hire people. And, you know, you, that's not okay. Now I can see it. Because at that point, remember I said, okay, I'm, is it 250? Is it 500? I never believe or whatnot. At that point, I was like, okay, I never actually, as far as exiting, don't have to be as high if I got some consistency. I got some, uh, you know, I got like a, there's a, like a system and process in place where I can see what's happening versus 
every day you hustle with your grandma and where the next deal will come from. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. get sick and everything stops. So uh, how did you, how did you create the consistency? Somebody's listening to this and they're like, they're where you were before, where they, they are everything, right? Like in the e-myth, you talk about like the, the person that's the chief bottle washer, they're the cook, they're the cleaner, they're the busboy, they're the waiter, they're the bartender, right? Like, um, and, and it's hard to create consistency when you're trying to do all things. I mean, it's just almost impossible. How did, how did you create consistency in your business? Oh, uh, man, that's an excellent question. I actually still struggle with consistency sometimes. We're just on different levels. Uh, but to be able to, uh, how do I create it? I mean, really, it was, for me, the eye-opening thing was, because once I understand something, it makes sense to me. I was like, oh, okay, I can still do it. You know what I mean? So first part, I talked about hiring. So you had to lead manager. Oh, okay, now that that thing over there is going on, I don't have to be doing that. So I can be focusing over here. Because if you think about you're a one-man show, when I'm on the phone closing the deal or trying to close the deal or at that time going out to a property, what's not happening, right? Nobody's talking to the title company to push the current deal, through, right? No one's trying to sell the current deal. So they stop and I stop literally minute by minute, right? So it was already very inconsistent. We very inconsistent that way. Uh, it, it's, least, it's, it's a lot easier to start building consistency. So the first thing was the people. And then with the people, you can't just scale chaos at that point, right? So they got to have something in place. Now, at this point, I'm part of other masterminds. So there's other people who have generated these things, right? They, oh, okay, this is what my lead manager does for me. And here's everything I have them do. Here's the system. Pro-. So basically, I was, it was a big cheat code, right? That's literally all I did. Like, I was, wasn't like, oh, you're just super smart. He built this out. Like, no, you built this and it works. Yep. All right. Can I have? That's it. <laughs> literally, I'll be it. Okay, this makes sense. Go do it. You know what I mean? And, and people, people, you know, one of my, one of my, when I reflect back on my journey, I think one of the biggest regrets that I had was that I was such a thinker that I was always wanting to, to figure it out myself instead of saying, who's done this before me at the highest level? And let me just go ask them, right? right? And, and people will share with you, right? And, uh, or you could purchase a course or you could do their mentor, like w- whatever it is. People have traveled this path and all you got to do is paint by numbers, right? If you could follow instructions, like do it. And so today I was having a discussion with my team. I said, I turned to my director of marketing. I said, what are the very best in the world do in your position right now? Your job is to go find out, right? And I t- turned to my ISA inside sales manager and I said, what's the very best in the world doing right now? You need to go find that out and go, go, go do that, right? And so it's, it's like that, right? You, you got a cheat code from people that have already done it. Yep. Then you got you to do the work, right? Yep. Yep. But, but before all that, you can't do this. You can't hire people. Unless you've got leads coming in, oh, right? Yeah. So what were your, what were your lead sources? Like, were you, you know, what'd you do? Direct mail, calling, texting? So excellent question. So at that, so, okay. So excellent. So at that point, because I'm doing everything and the way stuff stopped and whatnot, you know, it was, it was a low volume game. You know what I mean? So I didn't need a bunch of leads, right? That was part of the reason how we, like you said, scaled in consistency. So marketing is a big piece of it for sure. Uh, but at the at the time where it was just me, that wasn't the bottom, right? It wasn't like, oh, I need more leads. Oh, if you get me more leads, I'm dropping over here. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, I delete. Okay, I got, I can, you know, 
know, sitting on more stuff, right? So, yep. So it was a combination. It was, uh, what's this? This had to be, uh, maybe 17. So, it, so yeah. So you figure, definitely we're doing some cold calling. We're doing some direct mail. Not a lot. I didn't even know if you sent out $20,000 a month and $50,000. <laughs> I didn't know if I You know what I mean? So we were doing like niche stuff. Uh, plus, I didn't have the money to spend that, you know, so so you're doing like niche marketing for like some direct mail, cold call. Uh, we weren't even doing that some mess. I don't believe. No, we were doing Google PPC as a bit more where I was what I could at all, all, all these. That was it, you know. So but once I had people in place where, oh, OK, I don't have to be, you know, just spending money and watch it sit in the in the CRM. You know what I mean? That was another thing. I had kind of a iffy CRM. But as opposed to having those, having those leads come in and they just sit around because I'm not able to get to them. Once I had somebody else in place, I was able to start turning the throttle up on those things. And that's what built the consistency, right? Basically mm-hmm. keeping this, the business running while I'm not. You know what I mean? Yeah, everybody's got a role. Everybody's got activities that they have to do. Like the mach- It's a machine, Perfect. right? It's input, right? And output. And it's like how it, you're only as good as the machine that's been built, Right. No. And, and, and what happens is on your journey, you're building a better and better and better machine. Like you learn a couple of things, you go, oh, I put the wrong person into that cog in the machine and I need a different personality type. And I've learned that this personality type works really well. Uh, and oh, by the way, I need to put him through the right training yep. protocols and giving them the right scripts. And I got to, I got to pour into these people. I can't just put them into the seat and say, good luck. <laughs> right? Like. There, which means that you have to not only pick the right people, then you have to provide the right training for those people. 100%. And, and then you have to hold those people accountable and you need to know what's expected, right? Like, I think one of the big things that I learned on this journey was what, like, what are benchmarks? Like, nobody had like a, a document that benchmarks, like, like you, you don't know if a four minute mile is good. And unless, you know, people tell you like a four minute mile is really, really good. Right, like, right. Split, right. Like, so what for me it was like, well, what, what is a typical, uh, you know, inside salesperson, how many appointments do they book in a given week? Like I didn't know. Yeah. Right. So I had to yeah. go find out that information. And the way you're only going to get this information is by going out and seeking somebody that's built a big machine yeah. and say, Hey, what, what does this look like at scale? Right. What are your KPIs? Exactly. Let's get to some KPIs. Right. For a for a, a hundred uh, transaction business, what are some of the KPIs that you pay attention to in your business? What are like your top three? Uh, so a big piece. So we got marketing and acquisitions. Right. So acquisitions we keep it very simple because we close deals over the phone now. Right. So all virtual. Mm-hmm. I only want to know a few different things. How many dials are you making? Right. How many people did you actually, that's effort. That's what we call that effort. How many people did you actually like take through a process, like were qualified or whatever? How many did you take through that process? How many offers did you make? Right. Mm. I tell them, I don't think care about the contracts because that's a lagging indicator. How many mm. contracts? And the bottle they had to ask for only it could go with one number. It would just be how many offers that you made. Because now I can see like, all right, that's, that, that tells me everything. You didn't make a call for this course, you're not going to get the contracts. Right. But I, I keep that very, and I, when I forward doing trade, I keep that very, like I'm, I'm, I keep reiterating that to them. Like for example, don't like one guy we had last week. He had five contracts that week, and when it, when they report out results, especially it's positive, you know, lift them up a little bit. 
But they know that's not the thing for me. Because if you tell me you called five people and you got five contracts last week, I mean, I had to come ask some different questions, right? Like, okay, what was that marketing and all that stuff? <laughs> what did we do? Then I asked, my question is, what the hell else did you do with the other, whatever, you know, $100 or whatever that you could have been doing? Like, what did you do? You're not putting the effort. And that goes against our court value. So uh, that's a big for, for uh, acquisitions. Uh, it's similar for marketing. Right. When you, you know, we're looking at, you know, it's a little bit more complicated, but you're looking at different uh, 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 marketing sources, like where the deals are coming from. But basically we're looking at how many, the quantity of leads, how many are we getting, the quality of the leads, measure that, right? So how warm, cold, cold, et cetera. And mm -hmm. uh, I mean, that that's pretty much it for, for marketing specifically. Obviously we look sure. at cost, like how much, you know, cost per deal and you, you got stuff like that, but on the, Intrinsic level, if I'm, because I'm assuming that we're within budget or at a point where we're spending money in the right places, if I'm evaluating each marketing source, I just want to know how many leads you gave us and what was the co-op. Are you sending us a bunch of garbage or are you sending us, you know, good stuff, you know? Yeah. So you, you end up getting a number, right? X amount of leads generates uh, X amount of conversations yeah. and those conversations generate X amount of offers, not yeah. number you pay attention to, right? Like, What's the lead number and how many offers that you put out? And by the way, what 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 do you hold your acquisition team accountable to? How many, how like how many offers do you want them to do in order to hit the goals that they have? Uh, really, it's based on like and it, it does vary a bit because some of the indicators kind of mesh with each other, but really we're targeting seven offers today per rep, right? Seven but offers per rep. Exactly. But if you're it doesn't like if you don't hit seven, I, I'll call it a target, not a goal, right? Sure. It's, it fluctuates. For example, if you have a day where you made seven offers, you know how that goes from a conversation with people, or hold, you're doing your highest general income generating activity, which is locking up a contract. And sometimes that can take an hour if the person is busy, sure. stuff like that. So you may look at that. Well, naturally, if you have all those offers, your number of people that you like prospected and are, that's probably going to drop. Right, mm -hmm. your dials is going to drop, so it has to make sense the way to look at it. So it has, to, like, it has to mesh well. For example, right, we, we usually look at around 60, 65 calls a day is where we want to be. Well, like as a as an average, but if you have a day, I just look at your dials. If you tell me you call two hundred people today, I'm okay. I'm, I'm gonna assume that you probably didn't talk to anybody. I mean, it's probably something going on, right? Mm -hmm. Probably it's for real, but you know, I'm assuming you didn't talk to anybody. You probably didn't make any offers, but you put forth the effort call a bunch of people and we got to dig into the why so many people but i could see that but conversely if you had a bunch of people where you're taking through the like prospect to understand if there's somebody we can close to deal with you got like 15 of those in a day okay it's so your numbers for offers and dials will will you know fluctuate and what happens is you get this rhythm to the point where you see let's say day one somebody starts they got a bunch of dials right and then let's say the next day they got you know, a good, not as many dials, but they got a shared number of uh, prospects, right, that they talked to. And then the next day, you got a bunch of people that they made offers to. So you start to get this rhythm where you say, okay, I can see where you're at in your mm -hmm. son. You know, what we developed was a scorecard for everybody. Everybody in the organization has a scorecard. The business has a scorecard and it has an appointment number. Because that's okay. what I mean. That's the, no, that's the number that I track. It's like how many appointments, right? Have has the as the organization gone on, and then how how many has each individual person gone on? And then I could say, oh, Phil's 
appoint like the number of appointments it takes for him to close a transaction is three. And then we know how you compare against the average because I know kind of like what the average is. And I know like, and then we can kind of like guide to that. I'm curious with your seven a day as like a target, right? Averaged out over time, what have you found? How many contracts, offers made? And by the way, the question is, when you say an offer is made, just a verbal offer, is it actually sending out an LOI? Like, what do you constitute as an offer? So that's one question. And the second thing is, how many of those are they making on average? You know, listen, if the rep's making seven, you know, a day, they should get one contract. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know the numbers. No, that's, 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 that's actually, uh, that's very, very spot on. So first question is that what we can constitute to offer. I've talked to the person, I've qualified them that they actually deserve an offer. And then we got scripts that we take people through to, to make, like, actually make, present the offer, right? It's not like, hey, here's the number. It's a little bit more to it than that, but we have a process we take them through. And then, uh, like, that's what we consider, like, an offer, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and how many of those actually write it? Well, most recently, it's like six, six, six and a quarter or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, historically, it's been closer to five. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, took an uptick there. But, uh, but again, that's why we have seven a day, right? Basically, get a contract a day or, or at least be able to pace. That, like, those numbers are not arbitrary, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And, and so then, and that, then you give them the financial math for them to be able to know how much money they can make yep. as acquisition specialists in the business, right? They're like, okay, well, if I put out X amount of offers, I can expect on average, this is how much money I'm going to make, right? Exactly. Which is so cool, right? There's predictability in their income. There's predictability in your business income. That's how you bring predictability to it. And then eventually you look and say, well, for every hundred leads that we generate, right? We generate 10 conversations and it results in one closed transaction or something like that, right? Yeah. Which is, which is, that's called the 10% rule. I don't know if that matches, meshes with your business or not, but on average, a lot of online stuff, hundred leads, 10 conversations, one, one deal. Yeah. Right. No, that's I mean, that's exactly it. That's, that's how you know how to turn the knobs in your business, right? Because if I know how many people you need to talk to, to make a certain number of all, like to talk to a certain number of people, I mean, if I have, if I know how many leads I have to generate, so you can talk to a certain number of people, so you can make a certain number of offers and get extra contracts, that goes back to marketing, right? All right. Yeah. We, we need to turn up marketing to X so we can provide X number of leads per acquisition rep, you know? Yeah. And if they don't have enough leads, I'm sure that then you say, okay, well, there's this outbound or there's all these old leads that you guys can call. Right. right. And you just kind of go through those and then you might have a number for that for every, you know, 25 dials, you're going to have like one connection and five connections will result in one contract, right? Whatever the number is, right. For you know, you. But these, what's that? No, follow-up is key. That's yeah, follow-up is key. Very much, yeah. Go ahead. And, so, and so this is, so this is, we got a little into the nitty-gritty of it, uh, but this is, this is how you start understanding, like you said, turning the dials in the business. But to go back, right, it started with this belief, hey, I got to believe that this is actually, you know, something that, that's worthwhile building a business around. The answer is absolutely 100% yes, right? It helped right. generate 30, 60, 90-day uh, income that helps pay for your family, your your people, your tribe, right? But then there's a stage, which is the stage that you're at right now, where you're like, you know what? 
we we can make money in this business. I understand how to make money in this business, but there's a difference between making money and building wealth. Yeah. Yeah. And and mm. and and I find that entrepreneurs are going through this journey where they're like, okay, great, I I understand how to make money, right? Now, but I need to really accelerate my wealth building because am I going to do this forever? Like, am I going to be like on this like like treadmill the whole time, like just slaying meals, <laughs> right? And the and the answer is no. Like, uh, well, many people stay on that treadmill. By the way, they never become what well, kind of like what I call awakened, right? But one day they wake up and say, "Damn, you know, uh, every time I sell one of these assets, I'm actually killing the golden goose." Yeah. They're good deals, right? Yeah. And and I'm killing the golden goose. And and yeah, I'm getting paid today, but I'm not getting all those eggs for the future. Yeah. Those golden eggs. And so and so we need to start doing more of that. And then it goes on a journey. Like everybody, like the entrepreneur then goes, the business owner goes on a journey, which is where you guys are right now. You're like, okay, maybe what we do is flip 80 and we keep 20. Right. Right. Or, yep. or, or, you know, we do 60 and we keep 40. And man, then it's like crazy. Then the game gets really interesting at that point. Right? Yeah, exactly. Because what I, I mean, I mean, I basically just mirror everything that you just said. That's exactly right, right? Because you start looking at not just, so, right. So cash flow, right? Where's your cash flow? They got just having assets and being able to leverage that. And then in this case, specific real estate, you start talking about taxes and things like that, how you can like be more open, in those different things. And uh, yeah, like I said, you build this machine that's just pumping out deals. And, and actually, quick story, it's actually a pretty short story of how I, like, it, that wasn't a, like a very, like, it, I don't know, something just bit me and told me like, man, we need to buy for these. And what it was is we were selling the deal, maybe it's a couple of deals, and uh, like our phone was just blowing up. And I was like, no, I wonder what deal this is, right? And we were about to make like 40 grand on this deal sell it and I was like, oh that's sweet and I was, and yeah, something just told me to start thinking I don't know why I didn't think about this before I'm sure I had the capacity to but I was like let me look at the numbers on this deal right and I looked at the numbers and I was like well technically we could buy and it was already rented out and everything else right so I'm like we could buy this property right and not even forego that income we could buy this property do a little work to it it's kind of an appraise I think we got it at like 50 some, yeah, some offers were like 85 maybe a little bit higher something like that and this probably, you know, a little work, maybe 10, 12 grand worth of work, you know, praise for like one bit, right? We could just burn that all day and actually, you know, steal that. And then, you know, more about taxes and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, you keep your money, you keep yeah. the asset. Like, you're like, <laughs> I don't know where it took so long. But after that, I was like, oh. because what happens is we, we get in this like kick of like, we got to learn how to, I call it ringing the bell. Like, you got to first get through this mindset piece. Like, is this possible? Then you do, then you start making money. I call it ringing the bell. And you fall into this rhythm of like cash flow. And then, and then, and then something happens. It's a little something. You start asking a different question. Yeah. Right. And, and then, and the question then reveals itself and you're like, damn, okay. Um, I can, I can burn this thing. Right. Which is the way to start building wealth, whether you're an agent, you're an investor, it's the, the same game, right? Like, um, the wholesale game is the same as the agent game. It's the same game. And you're just taking earned income and you're buying assets. Uh, the difference is the investor is in the path of those good deals. And they and they can cherry pick them, right? They say, oh, you know what? We'll wholesale these. But our investment thesis is we want to hold properties in this part of Detroit, 
or North Carolina or wherever. And if they and if it falls in that area and we could burn it, we're keeping it. And that becomes your thesis. Right. Yep. So, so let me let me let's wrap up with one question. I, I heard you say something and it resonated with me. And you said that's not in our culture, right? Uh, so so let's talk a little bit about culture and and uh, what that means to you and what your culture is all about. Um, because ultimately you manifest your business, right? It's a, it's a reflection of you. So let's, let's talk about your culture. What are some of your core values? So, and actually, so that's a good, that's an excellent question because for a while it took me the, cause you know, you see these companies, even like, like said, like a Keller Williams or something else to say, uh, like someone's only big and I saw their core values on the wall. And for as long as it took me, like, I don't know, I couldn't, I could never just solidify or right, what are our core values? Cause you get like stuff that's like, you know, what we consider common sense, which sometimes those aren't your core values, but then sometimes it's like, all right, you know, we're just, just throwing stuff and it takes away from the, the, the whole, right? So you got things like integrity. That's one of our core values, right? Mm -hmm. Cause one of my things is, and I tell everybody on the team this, like we, we don't, I don't micromanage babysit, right? But what I understand, like, I, cause if we do very good training and hire you, make sure you're capable at that point, you can ask, doesn't he get asked for help? But we're not over the shoulder every point of the way, making sure you're doing what you say we're here to do, right? So I think that goes back to integrity. Like that, that kind of cross between integrity and accountability. But mm -hmm. it's uh that like that's that's one of our that's one that's one of our core core values, right? Because uh I, I actually put that more in the category of it of integrity and, and accountability. I think you're also in the boat. But if, if you say you're gonna do something and you don't do it. Yes, you're not being accountable, but what, what does that mean about your integrity when you look at the heart, right? When mm -hmm. no, one's no one's over your back, making sure you're doing what you're supposed to do. Like, I had a contractor at the, the house and the personal residence doing some work for us. And it was like, if this was your house, you would not have done it this way. But because it's not your house, and you, you had, he had the approach of, well, you know, if you think it's okay, it's okay, it's done. Not doing it to a certain standard. And that lowers your integrity. So integrity is one. Very big. Uh, uh, come from a st uh, story by perseverance, right? You can see why, right? It took me almost two mm -hmm. years. What's other stuff? And I didn't even go that deep into that story, man. I'm talking about, I'm living my mom's basic. It's not like luxury. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm talking, I could go deep. And it's, yeah. It, it wasn't just like, oh, I'm just over it. Uh, it, was, it was like, throw. well, I also know that you're a thinker. So what happens with thinkers sometimes is they go into dark places in their head. Right, mm -hmm. that that sometimes they can like o overanalyze every situation, like and like. So it, it is. It's a battle of the mind, right? Yeah. It's a battle yeah. of the mind. But once you wrestle it and pin it down and you slay it, like that person that's a thinker and they win the battle of their mind, dude. Sky's the limit at that point. Hundred percent, hundred percent. So you had to hit solid integrity, right? Perseverance. Like I don't, like I can't be around quitters. Right. You go hit a wall and, ah, uh, well, I mean, you got like that's light at this point. Right. Yeah. And the big part, and then I, and, and, you know, I started getting to deeper stuff where I'm going to go into uh, our next one, which is kind of one that we made up. It's manifest reality. You know, mm -hmm. now that's when it starts accountability as well. But you got to understand where you're at today, you're there because of you. Right. And what got you to where you are today is not going to get you to where you want to go tomorrow. Right. So you gotta so you gotta understand that this is how you manifest part what part of the way. So a lot of people with the law of attraction, you just think, oh, this is 
you know, I just got to think positively, right? PMA, and then all of a sudden I'm going to manifest a little bit. No, that's not how it works. You got to do the work. But part of this manifesting your own reality. So really understanding the big part of how that encompasses your life, right? It's, again, being accountable for what you're doing, but understand that you only got the power, right? There's, there's no one else that can come in and just take from you. I mean, there's things that can happen in life, right? But if you are, you know, if you're, per, if you, if, if you persevere right in that, then you'll be able to create the life that you want. That's a big part. I mean, I actually, I, I don't know how much time we got, but like, like I got time. I, I, oh, perfect. So a quick story about manifestation. Before I knew it was like a thing and I read all the deal and all this stuff, right? It was a car, that, that same car that was 12 years old when I was driving around, like whatever. It was telling me I wanted that. And that was like eight years before. Uh, but point is, I, I was working, I was co-op, and I just crossed money, Carl. I really wanted it, right? He got to the point where I knew everything about this car. I mean, literally every day, I would just stare at Auto Trader, look at all the different cars, look at all the different stuff. And naturally, I, I just, uh, this car, man, it'd be sweet if I could get this color. And I had only get the SS model with all the fully loaded. Oh, man, I know it's only too much, but I just really need to be around here. And I didn't, I, did not, I was not like intentionally doing this, right? With intention. I was just doing it because that's what I wanted to do. It felt good looking at this stuff, right? So it took three months. And I'm talking about, I couldn't afford the car. Like a car. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't afford it. I couldn't afford it, man. The car was like 15 grand. And like you bought it. And uh, like my budget was like eight. At the height. Right. And I know, but I just kept doing it. It took literally three months. For when cars came up, I was like, oh, man, it was more, already more than what I wanted, but it's the closest that I've seen. And then we went out to the primary, did some negotiating with my mom and dad. He said, no, we left. And then we kind of called, made another offer. And then we got, and I got it for like 7500 And I did nothing about manifestation. I was just happy about it, right? Then, you know, I'm reading the folding hill and I'm, you know, you got a uh, proctor, rest in peace, and stuff like that. You know, I'm like, and I, I and even at that time, I didn't register. So I thought about it like, that. that's how I got my first car. I, well, not my first car, but the first car I actually wanted. Because I'm like, I literally did everything that you could do. So it was like, I was literally bumped into a reality when, like, really it shouldn't have been, right? Like, I really couldn't afford the car, right? But it vision person happened. So 100%. Exactly. Did you just say vision? Vision, man. That's what vision is, right? Oh, it's like, in an organization, like, the leader has to have that vision. That vision needs to be manifested, right? It needs to be looked, dreamed about, uh, felt, um, talked about, obsessed about, uh, and and then you got to do the work. And what happens is you literally like create what it is, right? Whether it's whether it's your house, whether it's the car, whether it's your significant other, uh, the business. Um, the people in your life, like literally I did this one where one time I, I I was looking for somebody and I said, you know, the more specific I am, the better. I said, I'm looking for a division one college athlete. And if they're, cause I wrestled D1 at college, I was a wrestler, right? Like if there were a wrestler division one, this is why if they were an Eagle scout or boy scout, like I literally like wrote out everything right. that I was looking for. Right. And little, I sent it out to the universe, emailed it to everybody that I knew. Mm. And this guy got a hold of it and he reads it. And he's like, uh, Division One college wrestler, check, right? Uh, sales, exp- 10 plus years sales experience, check. 
right? Uh, Eagle Scout, check, right? And literally the guy was like, it's like as if you willed this into, I was like, yeah, man, I, I, I just, I manifested what I, I, who I was looking for at that time. And you could do that for roles within the organization, for your business in general, for everything. Like I'm a, I'm a fan, right? Um, I'm a fan. I'm a big fan of that. Uh, and it's, it's, this is funny enough, but it's interesting you said vision because that's that's the next uh, word, right? So mm. just mirror everything you just said. That's everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So you, you said, you said, uh, you started off with integrity, right? Perseverance. Yeah. Uh, what was the next one? Perseverance. Perseverance. Okay. Manifest in reality. Your own manifest. Reality. Yes. Manifest it. Okay. Vision. And then vision. And then how is, how is vision different than the, the manifesting reality? So it does. Uh, excellent. Uh, excellent. So it manifesting reality goes more internal in terms of like, it's really focused on that you have the power, right? Mm. Focus on manifest, it's really manifest your own reality, but that's, it's your, your power. Vision is more so what you're talking about. Like, Hey, here's where we're going to go to go, right? We're going to persevere to get there. We, we're not going to like to screw over people to get there. We're going to have integrity. We're going to be a mm. weight. We're going to hold ourselves to a certain extent, but this is where we're going. Right. And we're all paddling in the same direction. So we talk about vision. Like, yeah, that's like, it's the bigger picture where I love it. Mm-hmm. Man, that's awesome. Crazy that you brought, you brought that up. <laughs> I don't say what it was. And is that it? Those, those are the core values. Do you have any? Yeah. yeah no, no, those are in there. Sub components that we, you know, we, we dive deeper. I think that's would help me. And there, and that's a, it's a living thing. Right. So, you know, over time we may add, we may change, but uh, I think those were like the core of what we wanted to do. And then from there, it just came down to like, I didn't want to put a lot of, I don't want to tell people like, oh, honesty, right? Mm-hmm. Probably should be on the team if you're not honest, right? You know, mm-hmm. again, that's under integrity, but you know, I, I didn't want to put a lot of stuff in there that takes away when you got 15 core values and, you know, uh, I, yeah, you gotta, you gotta keep it simple because sometimes people just don't, you know, I'm a big, I'm a big, uh, I'm a big person that uses like, I'm like, I think a VIP, right? For you, uh, uh, vision, integrity, persistence. That's VIP. What, what was the What was the other one I'm missing? Um, I'm missing one. Uh, oh, manifestation, VIPM. I, I'd play around with those words mm-hmm. and try to create some kind of really simple thing. That was we, always say, we always say we're a forward culture, right? Family first, own it, raving fan service, work hard, always be learning results matter, do the right thing kind of culture. We're a forward culture. Guys, that's amazing. We have to figure something out around that. We haven't done it Yeah, and that, that comes, like you said, it's, it just kind of comes with, over time, you start saying, oh, this is part of this core value. We can add it in. But you want to keep it simple so that you can transfer it, right, mm-hmm. to, to the team. Right? I like that, though. Yeah, team, we'll figure something out. <laughs> well, dude, I love it. I love it. Hey, Phil, Dude, you shared an hour and 13 minutes with me and literally it's gone by like this. Yeah, Man, I love our conversation today. It's going to help so many people on so many different levels. There's so many like little nuggets and sound bites that we'll be able to take out of this. I thank you. Grid thanks you. Um, if people want to get a hold of you, right? If like, if people want to send you a deal, right? You, 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 we already know Metro Detroit, right? Right. Never so. Hey, you're the guy, and also Raleigh, North Carolina, Charlotte. Charlottesville. Was that right? Both Charlotte and Raleigh. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I want you to to think of Phil, 
And uh, I'm going to have all your different social media handles below. If somebody wants to get a hold of you, how, what would be the best way? All right. So you just want to hit, because people hit me up all the time for like mentorship. And I like, I think that's the big thing as far as getting back and helping individuals. But Instagram is Philip with Wardell underscore Blake underscore REI. Uh, you can hit me up there. If you're trying to send us deals, uh, I'll, I'll get with Rob and we'll have uh, like, you know, where you can go to the website or, you know, contact Dispo, whatnot, just want to work together. And then uh, you'd also be the main, the main two there. Uh, I'll actually I'll give you my email too. We'll put that on below. Awesome. And Phil, one last thing. How's uh, how's your your little baby your little baby boy? Was it a boy or a girl? Baby girl. Baby baby girl. girl. Oh, so she, how's your baby girl? Nine weeks yesterday. Perfectly healthy, feeling good, and uh, oh, it's, it's awesome. So that's our first job. Impressive, Perfect. by the way. I for ten days, man. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I, I literally left the house with COVID and slept <laughs> for ten days. Oh man, yeah. that's crazy. That's crazy. Uh, that's that's awesome dude it's crazy because nine weeks i remember um i remember i mean my little one is 20 years old now which is crazy right time goes by fast make sure you buy her a house you name it her what what's her name oh uh, uh, what was that what's her what's your daughter's name i think it's breaking up right oh i said what's your what's your daughter's name yeah. <laughs> I think you're asking what my daughter's name is. That's it. That's what I'm asking. Yes. All right, I'm breaking this. All right, we've been we did pretty good. Uh, so we did pretty good. There, we did pretty good up until this point. Yeah, yeah. Hey, sorry, man. You that's were... okay. That's okay. We'll we'll edit this last piece. Okay. Paris. Paris is Paris Alexander. Okay. Well, you named the house Paris Alexander. Right. 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 <laughs> and and uh anyhow man we'll we'll edit the last piece we we did good with the audio up until this time so it was crazy it was like he was like what's your name <laughs> yeah, so i was like he has left my name and also i'm like wait wait but then it started i started i started to see the video mess up a little bit so we made it we, we got pretty close we made it man hey phil thanks so much man i appreciate it That's you great. enjoy the rest of the day and uh hopefully i'll see you at one of the mini meetups sometime soon yeah, man, I don't know what the next one is, but I want to make it out to chat. Man, those are always uh, pretty fun. I don't know if you made it to the last one, but uh, I want to get to the next one for sure. Yeah, I think I'm going to do one. Um, there is, um, oh, guy, what's his name? Lake House. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, I, I, I saw it, but I didn't pay a lot of attention to it. Yeah. Anyhow, sometime soon we'll have to catch up and uh, I'll have to fill fill you in on all the stuff that we're doing. But I appreciate your time today, man. You take care. Appreciate that, right? Anytime, anytime. Okay, Bill. Take care, man. Bye-bye.